Welcome to the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. My name is Michael and I'm joined by my wife, Marsha. Hi. And on this show, we basically try and break down what it means to live with less stuff and more compassion. And in this conversation, we're going to be looking at how to encourage minimalism with those that you care about without being pushy. So this question actually came from one of our listeners and we thought it was a really interesting topic to sort of dive into. And it's something that we really had to, um, I suppose, contextualize and think about outside of our own experience a little bit, just because we have the benefit of living with each other. And we're not, I suppose, presented with that situation very often as much as we used to. But we do have plenty of examples. So I, I hope this is something that you can get some value out of. But before we get into the rest of the conversation, Marsha, is there, is there any, any, any updates you want to tell our audience about that's happened in the last couple of weeks? So if you didn't know, we now have a YouTube channel where I cook <laughs> <laughs> um, and show you how to make some delicious vegan recipes. Yeah, so I mean, um, if you're interested, we did publish, I believe, a lentil bolognese recipe and a sheet pan pancakes on the YouTube channel. Yes. So, um, I don't know, really, we're really proud of those videos. I think we're learning this platform and getting better with each video that comes out. And so, yeah, we'd love to get your feedback if you are someone who likes to consume YouTube content. Yeah. Um, check it out and let us know what you think. Yeah, they were kind of the focus... Um, for more basic recipes because we're trying to encourage people in the month of January for Veganuary yep. to go more plant-based. So, yes. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, shall, shall we get into the topic? Yes. All right. So, how to encourage minimalism without being pushy. Yeah. So, I suppose the place to start is... Well, what's the issue? Like, what's the the problem with, I suppose, being pushy in this situation? And, and I like to think back to when I first became a minimalist or identified myself as a minimalist. And, and I think when you're passionate about a new lifestyle, you tend to feel like it's the way to go. It's like the only direction it's like the it's only like way to live not everybody else doing that's this. right like <laughs> particularly minimalism you look around and you think oh my god look at all of this excessive mm. consumerism in the world like look at all this stuff everywhere mm. and you just i suppose for me it started to heighten my awareness of these habits in our society mm. so it didn't matter if i was going to friends or family's houses or cars or shopping centers or anywhere you just started to see stuff yeah and um, it became quite confronting. Um, it's, you start you started to feel the weight of things on you a lot more, and because they, they consume your mental capacity. Absolutely. And I mean, it's not even just things; it's also you know how we live our lives and what we let into our lives, and how we could actually improve that to to just live more in peace and have a more fulfilling life. Yeah. Really. So I think it's you know I guess that's where most people start is the possessions but minimalism is much more than just things but that's where it's the most evident to yeah. a lot of us um, and that's what tends to bring a lot of people down in terms of just what they are surrounded by day to day yeah yeah and did you feel the same way i did but it's interesting when we started doing, you know, brainstorming and just the prep for this podcast episode, 
it really gave me a new perspective as to how to approach it moving forward with other people. So even, you know, we talk about these things to help you guys out, but we're actually learning better ways and different ways to approach it ourselves, you know? So I found it really refreshing and probably moving forward, I I will be approaching it in a very different way to how I have been up until now with um, friends and family. So... It's, it's definitely already taught me a lot. Oh, so I've awesome. already gotten Juicy. something out of it. Juicy. Well, that's why we do this show, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, just hold that thought. To set the foundation, just so we're all on the same page, we, we jump into minimalism, we're passionate about it, and we probably want everybody around us to probably see how this lifestyle could benefit them as well. But more importantly, I think the issue is if we're in a situation where we're living with somebody that is a non-minimalist or people using terms like a maximalist now or a mediumist. Have you heard that one before? A Not mediumist. The <laughs> um, They're just trying to coin every... I like, know, I know. Yeah. There's labels everywhere. But... I'm just trying to think about you as a listener or if you're in a situation, it may be you, you're even not a minimalist, but you're just somebody who's maybe neat and tidy. Just more Or more organized and more intentional about the way that you live, but your other half or your children or your in-laws or your, your housemate lives a completely different lifestyle, that means that their clutter is probably going to enter your environment. And how does that make you feel? And then you can start to see how the tension builds. Um, and when, again, we're talking more about physical possessions of this, but like Marsha said, that this is a all-encapsulating sort of lifestyle where it's like a cluttered environment can also lead to a cluttered mind and other areas as well. So that's probably where the issue is. So we can understand that the passion for those who want others to sort of be more intentional. But the question is, how do you effectively encourage at least some of this lifestyle or is this even the right approach? Should you be selling or encouraging others to be minimalist? So there's a lot to discuss here. Yeah. Do you see any other issues, I suppose, with like how, how that tension is, start, is created in the first place? I think for me, like personally speaking, it's like veganism, right? Where you go through this stage of having your eyes opened up to this new world that you'd never really seen. It's like your goggles have been taken off. And you see things in a completely different way. And so you go through these different stages of acceptance. You know, you go through grief, anger, acceptance, all of that sort of stuff. So I think it's just, especially at the beginning, you have this sense of like, why can't everybody else be like this? You know, and I think that pushes a lot of other people away because of the way your energy is projecting to them. And we need to, I guess, remember also that like veganism, most of us weren't born this way. Right. It's something that happens over time. Yeah. Something that comes into our life at whatever stage we're in. So we have to remember that we were once the person on the other end. Maybe not to that extreme. Maybe we were always neat and tidy. Like I grew up, I was always very clean, neat and tidy. That was just me. But I still liked to have a lot of stuff. So my space would be, now I would call it cluttered because I still liked my little things, you know, to make my room look pretty and whatever when I was younger. But now I would look at that as clutter. So I think it just depends on where you're at and 
you know, what I guess extreme the people around you are at. There's a lot of places, a lot of homes that they wouldn't necessarily call themselves minimalists, but just the visual environment is very clean, neat, organized and quite minimal. So, yeah, I think it just really depends on you as an individual and also realizing that not everyone started out this way. Yeah. To be able to accept others for how they are. Yeah, for sure. Acceptance, that's probably going to come up a lot in this conversation. But um, I think now it's important to understand what would be a natural objection or why somebody would be resistant Mm. to adopting some of these minimalist practices. Yeah. And only when can we put ourselves in the shoes of others can we maybe start to influence them, right? Um, But not in a forceful way. Yeah, no, but in, like influence is just the word to use, not not to like manipulate or anything. It's just yeah. like, but to 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 help anybody change is going to be influencing inspire them, them, inspire them, right? Yeah. Um, but we need to understand where they're at first. So, what would be like some of the reasons somebody would resist mm. minimalism? I think even just the word minimalism can be very off-putting because right. it sounds quite weird and extreme. Like to a lot of people, they go, well, why would I want to live that way? Like, I don't want to be boring. I've heard that one before. Mm. (laughs) Or how boring, Um, yeah. And it seems (laughs) almost painful. You know, you feel like you're depriving yourself of living your life. And a lot of people generally don't like change. They're resistant to change. If they've lived a certain way for 40, 50 years, why would they want to change now if they're happy the way that it is? Mm. And, you know, there's also people that I've heard also say, well, I like my stuff. It makes me happy. So why would I want to change that? Mm. You know, and if happiness is something that it does bring them, well, then it's kind of this whole thing. Well, why would you want to change that to them? Yeah, I think I think you make some good points. I think another like back to the terminology, maybe people don't really understand what minimalism is in the first mm. place it's pretty ambiguous if you think about it and i think a lot of people when they hear minimalism they probably associate it with design principles yeah. initially uh, particularly with interior design white space or white, white space everything. Yeah. japanese culture scandinavian culture you know like it, it as a lifestyle it's still relatively it's still very new mm. at a cultural level so i think it can be very confusing for people and that can create some natural resistance if they don't really even understand the, the benefits, right? They don't understand what it is or the benefits or they think it's something else. And I think even the hype around it and if they do look at other people that do promote this lifestyle and they encourage them to live out of one backpack, you know, have mm. everything you own in just one backpack or one room or have no furniture, you know, like I think there's a lot of extreme ways of looking at minimalism Mm. and it's not all just black and white Mm. and so i think there's different levels of minimalism where people might like to have more possessions that make them happy but are still very intentional with what they own and what they bring into their lives that would consider themselves minimalists yeah so i think it's an important thing to realize that there is no rule book to minimalism and it's not like you need to own under 300 items in your home And that's it, you Mm. know, like be very intentional, throw out everything else. Um, And I think that even this movement over the years has encouraged people to just get rid of things 
Mm. And a lot of the time that extreme isn't a healthy thing because then they're more likely to just go, I'll stuff this at some point because it doesn't, they feel very deprived and very restricted Mm. that they end up going, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. And then they go out there and go in the complete opposite direction because they feel deprived. For sure. So I think it's just making sure that, well, minimalism maybe might not be the best term to use when you're talking to people about this lifestyle. Yes. And I think it it reminds me of a post that we published um, a little while back around some examples of extreme minimalism and Mm. why it's not for everybody. And yeah, I think (laughs) the points you make really scream about um, relatability. Mm. I mean, uh, some of these extreme examples of like living with no furniture or living out of a backpack or counting your items is very unrelatable and unrealistic for a lot of people. Yeah. So So therefore they just put it out of their heads. Yeah. It's like this isn't possible for me or people that live in tiny houses or van right. life and all of yeah, that. Yeah. Like that's a big thing. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people tend to associate that, you know, if you've got five kids, mm. it's just like, well, it's not possible for me. But then one of, you know, like Leah Babata had six five or six kids living at under the one roof at one point and he still considered himself a minimalist. Yep. So I think it is possible, but I think because of the the trendiness of minimalism and what it has become, I think a lot of people kind of go up, oh, that's not for me and don't even consider any aspect of it at all. Yeah. And then they miss the depth. Exactly. They miss the depth, they miss the actual punchline and the benefits. Yeah. Because of the surface level presentation yeah. of it. Oh my God, I'm just thinking about uh, all the things that we've discussed in previous episodes. We'll link to them in the show notes. But few episodes that come to mind is discussing the, um, you know, is minimalism a trend? Yeah. Is uh, discussing the aesthetics of minimalism as well and the perceptions around it. So this is going to be episode, what, 56? This one, yes. Yeah, so you'll find this at theminimalistvegan.com slash 056 to get links to um, those conversations as well. Um, Okay, so in summary, people are resistant to change. The examples that they're seeing are completely unrelatable. The terminology is confusing. Mm. Um, So these are a a few of many reasons why somebody would be like, no way, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to like try and live this way, Mm. right? So, what? How can we if we if we understand that these are some common objections? How do we navigate that? Like, you know, how do we encourage or inspire people to, I suppose, look past these barriers mm. and um, maybe see that there are some benefits to this lifestyle? I think it's just being also confident in who you are and comfortable with sharing that message. As and but also as we said, not necessarily using the term minimalism. So in some aspect, even you know, calling it simple living or clutter-free life, or you know, using different terms that can um, intentional living, something that actually can maybe resonate with people on a more positive note rather than deprivation and restriction. So being confident in how you feel about it and then also using terminology that is more relatable. For sure. And and I think on that note, when I used to interact with more human beings, <laughs> <laughs> once upon a time, I remember like I, I would rarely 
use the term minimalism or even simple living, I, I'd, re- I'd rarely describe or try and label this lifestyle. So what I'm would a, you say? I'll talk about projects I'm working on. Okay. Right? So things will come up in conversation and, and I'll just say something like, yeah, I've just completely, at the time when DVDs and CDs were a thing, <laughs> so um, I'd be like, yeah, I completely got rid of everything. Like I've managed to put them all onto my computer and um, now I'm trying to work on decluttering my hard drive and making things really streamlined. And people are like, oh, that's really interesting. How did you do that? And why are you doing that? And it would start a conversation in terms of, well, I just don't want to see that clutter. I don't need to see it. I don't, I rarely watch those movies anymore. So I wanted to store them somewhere else so I can free up the space in my surroundings, right? Mm. Or they'll see that I'm wearing similar clothes every day, but they look fresh, right? So they're like, oh, so like, what's going on there? And, and I'll tell them that like, yeah, I'm like, I'm channeling my inner Batman or Superman. <laughs> and yeah, I've bought like five, like literally five t-shirts of the same color. Like what? Where did you get them from? Why? And then I start talking about a personal uniform. So it's more your actions and your projects and your examples that can maybe start to trigger this. And over time, people start to understand that this is just the way you think, right? You want to think more intentionally, more clearly, more simply to eliminate decisions and to pursue things that are really important to you through your actions and your examples. Mm. So I think that's a really good way is to talk about how excited you are about some of the changes you're making. Mm. And people can relate to projects. They can relate to those type of examples. They can because I think a lot of people think about those things, but they don't have maybe the capacity to action them and, you know, or have an idea of how to to declutter that space. Even just when we first started this journey, I spent all weekend, one weekend, scanning paperwork. Yes. And we literally got rid of a full tub of papers. Yes. Recycled them and it was gone. Like we didn't have to drag that around anymore. People still have paperwork everywhere. I know that a lot of things are digital these days, but, you know, even your taxes, all of these papers that can be digitized these days. And some people don't even consider doing it any other way. Like all you need is your phone and away you go. How many you know? times have you recommended the Scanner Pro app to people? Oh. Countless. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... So you don't you don't say, hey, be a minimalist. You go, oh, have mm. you seen this app where you mm. can scan all these documents in? Yeah. And or then even you can photos. Get rid of, or, or your photos. Yeah. So you see, see what you did there? Yeah. Nothing about minimalism, but mm. all about the project. Practical. Yeah. Like it's practical and a lot of people want those things so that they can free up the, the space. And it's not even about possessions in how we talk about, you know, clothes and bits and pieces around the house that are cluttering up bench tops and cupboards yep. and whatever. It's actual practical things to free up space that can be repurposed in some way yes so what you were talking about the dvds and cds that space can be used for something else yes or it can be empty but you still have those things yeah you know what i mean because you need them a lot of the time or you want to keep them but it's just thinking about it in a very different way and i think that this is the beautiful thing about and I don't often say this the beautiful thing about technology is that (laughs) (laughs) It's making things as digital as possible so that people don't have to have a lot of physical possessions to a degree. You know, you've got ebooks, you've got audiobooks, 
podcasts, you know, all of these things that once upon a time either didn't exist or they were, you know, they were made physical. Yes. Um, And we didn't have any other choice but to keep them, you know, like you need to keep your tax papers for seven years. You'd have these boxes in the in the garage or shed just taking up unnecessary space and most of the time they'd fade so they'd be pointless anyways yeah with receipts and things like that so i think it's if if you can streamline a process like that it's it's actually really liberating and you feel empowered to do so absolutely and and look let's keep the examples rolling another another thing i thought about is with family and um you know we're in our 30s now and we've been living out of home for i don't know almost 10 years but I remember when we first moved out at home, you're in a rush. You're in a rush to go start your own life. And you take what you need, I suppose, when you leave the nest. But you realize that you leave a lot of things back in your family home, right? And you're left with your family to sort of deal with your clutter, wherever it's left. Maybe you've still got an allocated room in a house or it's in a garage or it's in storage. But I remember when we started this minimalist journey... I thought, well, minimalism is not just about me, right? Well, it is about me and it is about my self-development, but it's also about how do I take clutter away from those that mean a lot to me? So, um, you know, I went back to my family home and I made sure that I dealt with all of the things that were sitting there that were mine Mm. because I was actually contributing clutter and maybe a bit of confusion to my family, even if it wasn't fun of mine for them, it's subconsciously it's just something else that they had to deal with, something else that they they had in their possession. So I made a, a, a mission to do that, and, and I think just me not having anything there. I think I think the other day you said that my mum mentioned that I might have something there. And I was, was like, "What is it? Like, I need to deal with that." Like, I totally forgot to ask. No, <laughs> that's but like you know, I don't want any loose ends there. Yeah. Um, because that signals not only to myself but to my family. Mm of who I am mm. and how seriously I take that. Um, and I think that can set an example for those around you too. So this can be, and other examples could be if you are at the moment somebody that still goes into an office or workplace, you have a locker or you have a desk. How are you representing yourself there? Because that's another opportunity to exercise minimalism in, in your actions and not telling anybody, but how you represent yourself. And this can open up that conversation as well. And also in in return, then it shows to others that you're happier as a result of owning unnecessary things. Or dealing with your things. You know, that take up your capacity and it's like, oh, I'll get to that decluttering or I'll get to cleaning that up. And it's just, it weighs on the back of your mind all the time. How many things do people think about? Like for me personally, those things do, would and do take up a lot of brain capacity because I'm a to-do list type of person and it's just draining. Yeah, but I also think because since you we've started living a more minimalist lifestyle, it's very clear what those things are mm. as they start to build. But for many people, and I was once in this camp, you let it get to a situation where it's so out of control, so overwhelming that you just sort of check out and you don't deal with it, yeah. right? So it's like it becomes like too hard of a project to deal with. But mm. I suppose when you already have a clear space, mm. you're very aware all of a sudden of what comes yeah. into that 
and you want to deal with it faster. There's less procrastination. You don't want to build on it. You want to maintain it at the level that it is at. Yes. So it's like, okay, this is getting a little bit out of control. Let me deal with it now because I have the capacity to be able to do so because it's not at the overwhelming stage. Yes. And I want to maintain it at the level that it was before. That's right. Yeah. I've got a question for you now though. So we are in a unique situation like veganism where we both consider ourselves to be minimalists and we live together and we can completely control our own environment. Now, this situation is probably still unrelatable Mm. or not relatable to many of our listeners who may be starting this journey of minimalism and their partner or their family or people that they live with don't share the same ideals and they can't control the whole environment. What would you say to somebody in that situation who's, I suppose, dealing with that tension where there's a conflict in values that's affecting their day-to-day life? Like, could you imagine if I wasn't a minimalist and um, I had clutter everywhere and I didn't, like, like a lot of my happiness was derived from the things that I owned and I wanted to consume more and more and more and then you were the opposite and we lived together. Think about that. Like, how... How would you deal with that situation? I guess it depends how much power you have within the capacity of the space that you're living in. Mm. So if you live in your parents' home, I imagine the most of it would be just within your bedroom or, you know, if you have an ensuite or a bathroom that's just for you, that's your space. Or if you have a garage where you've set up workout or whatever, whatever allocated space in the home you kind of own in inverted commas. So making sure that you have control over those spaces and that you are happy with how those spaces are. Um, Because at the end of the day, that's all that you can do. I think it's just, it comes down to acceptance. And I know that it can be frustrating, but I think it's just accepting and talking to the people that you care about and maybe even try and find a happy medium where you say, okay, well, you know, maybe these couple of cupboards in the kitchen I can use for my own food if it's in a shared home, for instance. And just talking to the other people and just seeing, okay, well, looking at different spaces in the house and going, okay, well, we both share this space. How can we make it in a way that we both agree and that we're willing to compromise in some way? And again, this depends on who you live with. Mm. Um, If it's with your partner, I think you should be able to have a little bit more leeway there. Mm. But if you share a room, I think it's also important. You know, I think it's easier if someone's messy just to, to dump their things into the cupboard and they can deal with that. And if they don't care about it that's that's their that's yeah their i like problem. that it's like there's a designated dumping ground that's not like exposed yeah where it doesn't trigger you where yeah, it doesn't yep. make you feel like you know it's something that you don't have control over and i mm. think in terms of minimalism that's a lot of uh, when it comes to things that are out of your control is other people and their possessions mm. Whereas when it comes to other components of minimalism, whereas, you know, who you spend your time with, uh, what you do on a daily basis, you have a little bit more control over that. Yes. So I think it's just more of the physical possessions that 
can visually trigger you as well. Yeah, and I think and I think the reason why I'm asking questions around that is because I think that's probably um, <laughs> the the area of least control for a lot of people yeah. in these situations. These the it's your living environment, right? It's a shared space. Mm. It's you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, not to throw our parents under the bus, but uh, like, you know, I grew up in a household where like one parent would like bring home things that they bought. And it's like, oh, okay. It's like, why did you buy that? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, could you imagine if I just like came into the house one day with like a coffee machine, uh, like a little bath like a little bath play thing for our dog like just all this, just stuff. a whole bunch of stuff a yeah. playstation you'd be like well, what what's happening here Are you <laughs> <having> a midlife <laughs> crisis <laughs> you know but that but that type of activity is more common than what we think mm. that's happening at the moment right now around the world yeah. people just bringing things into environments and these are things that not only influence a person that's buying it but it may actually influence Mm. the people that are in the household, right? And you can see how quickly that can create tension. But I think it goes back to what you said is like, at the end of the day, you know, I suppose you know what you can control. And even if you're in like a shared kitchen, for example, where you're cooking and there's like, you can't even find things that you need. You can't Mm. even find a knife. You can't find a pot. You can't find a food processor because there's so much stuff in there that can be a really hard situation, yeah. right? Because you're like, oh my God, like, why is all this stuff? We don't use it. Like, you know, there we go. Conflict starts. Or you can accept the environment, accept the situation, get what you need, but then you have your sanctuary. Like you have those little pockets of the house that you can own. Um, that's your little escape from the clutter and the rest of the house. And you can still express love and companionship to those in your space that's so hard right but at the end of the day and i think we 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 saw this when we're doing research for this episode i saw this quote that like you know at the end of the day minimalism it should is a tool and a lifestyle that should help bring you closer to people Mm. not separate you from others and it's like wow yeah you're right it's like at the end of the day minimalism is a tool for you to feel clear and happy within yourself to be able to deal with not being able to find a knife in the kitchen. I think it's when it comes to things like that, like from speaking from personal experience, because you gave a very good example there. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of the time that it's a conversation to be had and say, well, look, I like a cl- neat and clean and tidy space. And most of the time, so does the other person. They just yeah. don't have the capacity or they don't see it. Yeah. So if you tidy it up and move things around or, you know, you talk about where might be the most practical way to put something or whatever, you have a conversation, you do the work because at the end of the day, it bothers you, not yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then that way you're happy they're happy they have a cleaner and tidier environment, but you, you're not going into that environment every day feeling frustrated by it. Because for me, a kitchen yeah. is like, it needs to be organized right, can to we, get anything can done. Can we stay on this case study here? Can we stay on this? <laughs> Let's break this down. Okay. So, because this is a very common example, shared kitchen clutter. Yes. Right. A lot of unnecessary things. Expired food. Yeah. You know. You name yeah. it. 
grimy. Yeah. Anyway, let's yeah. not get into it. <laughs> so you're right. Usually, there's an aspiration for all parties to have a cleaner, more functional kitchen. Yes. Right. But you, as a minimalist that's been practicing this lifestyle, see clutter, and you're you prioritize reducing that. Mm. Whilst many people don't prioritize it because it's too hard. They don't know where to start. Or they it's, just don't care. Or they don't care. Yeah. It's like it's just not on top front of mind. Yeah. And I think that's the difference with a minimalist mindset is that this stuff is always front of mind and you take action very quickly. Yeah. Right? So option one is that you take on the project to declutter the kitchen and but no 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 before here. you talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. This is option one. I'm just gonna give you a, a case study where they can it can create conflict. So you take action, but then you go ahead without permission mm. and you start getting rid of things. You start making decisions on behalf of others when you haven't been empowered to do so. And then that's when you get a situation where it's like, where's where's all this the stuff? Spatula. What have you done? <laughs> and then there's conflict. And normally you're in a state of anger <laughs> and resentment when you're doing that decluttering. That's right. Because you're like, I can't believe that you know, we've let it get to this point and they just don't care. Let me clean this space up. Yeah. They'll be very grateful. Like yeah. I'm doing them a favor. Yeah, absolutely. So then <laughs> we all know how that ends up. So then the other option is what you've said is with their permission, you take on the project because you have the capacity to do so. Mm. You have the motivation to do it. But then you can present it in a way that you have made decisions, but then you empower them to say, okay, so now it's up to you. I think that this should go and this should stay. What do you think, right? Um, and then all of a sudden you've made their job so much easier because you've done 90% of the work and now they just have to sign off and be like, oh yeah, actually, no, oh, we'll want to keep that. Oh, uh, I didn't I even know I had that in the kitchen. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, but then it's more collaborative, right? Mm. And then in that process, what are you doing? We're not talking about minimalism. You're showing that this is possible. And they then will see how much easier it is how to much be more in functional the, in the, the space. kitchen is. Oh, yeah. I can easily get to this now. I can find that. This is yeah. great. Oh, this needs replacing now. Mm. This is better quality. You're happier. Mm. Like it's you spend all this time in the kitchen, everybody, and now it's a more happier place to be in. It's Enjoyable clearer. Experience. It's more intentional. Yeah. There it is. Minimalism tick for the win. Yeah. So I think that's a really good example. <laughs> Yeah. It also depends on your relationship with that person as to how you approach it. If it's a friend, family member, a housemate, you know, different relationships require different approaches to how you might start that conversation because it can come a bit off-putting and preachy. Well, in most cases it would. Yeah. But I think the closer the relationship, I guess, the more open and honest you can be with them. For instance, I think it's important with friends in particular to lead by example and show them how much capacity you have for things that you want in life through you pursuing this type of lifestyle. And then maybe having uh, a conversation about expectations with the family that you live with, which is what we've already talked about. Um, And then showing kids the benefits of having fewer options and things which can be a little bit tricky depending on their age but we're so conditioned to want to consume more because there's more options and then you know children interact with other children and then want certain things because they want 
to feel like they belong. Yeah, and I think with with children, it's interesting because, like, you know, we're not parents, so you know, this is not <laughs> talking directly from experience. But the interactions I've had with kids is that um, still, yes, possessions and toys play a really important role in their fun experiences and development. But then there's also this whole idea of creating memories and experiences that are far more demanding for adults, but tend to create experiences that they remember. Um, and I know it's not always possible, but I think from the examples that we've seen with minimalists sort of trying to coach their children through this is like, I suppose, having like a dedicated area in a house for playtime or dedicated box and I suppose like it's it's also been in tune with what toys that they're using currently and what toys that they've abandoned and then rotating that rather than expanding the collection you rotate it so you sort of there's like a revolving chain of things that you're discarding and bringing in or even, that variety or even just you know if they have too many toys the ones that they don't play with put away yes And so to them, it's like, oh, well, they don't exist. And then you pull them out a couple of months later and they're like new toys to them because they hadn't seen them for such a long time. And if they're still not playing with them, well, then it's maybe time to part with them. But it's having that rotation of different toys so that they have different stimulation. Yeah. Um, Like even with our dog, Chewy, like I've seen so many dog owners that just throw toys at their dogs and their pets just to play with and stimulate them whereas he might have two or three toys maximum yeah but only one out at a time um yeah one out at a time that he absolutely loves to play with and if he's not stimulated by that then we switch it around yeah but we also give him a lot of attention so that's where you know we don't really need the toys as much as maybe other dogs that spend more time by themselves do you know he goes for walks twice a day were around him much more than most people are with their pets. So again, it's situational, but I think it's just being more intentional with, you know, everything that you bring into your home and what that signals to the people that don't really have that purchasing power in the household as to what they're prepared to accept and how life can be lived. So I think just to, to slowly start wrapping things up, and sharing resources with people and okay it's like okay cool we've heard everything you have to say it all sounds awesome but like how what do I do now and we have already mentioned some things but I think if someone expresses interest in minimalism you know you can start sharing just sending them it's like planting little seeds you know like don't be pushy, but share things with them. And there's definitely more resources now than there ever has been in the past about this lifestyle. So sharing articles or different websites, maybe purchase them a book for birthday or Christmas or send them a subscription to be able to listen to audiobooks or documentary. There's a few documentaries out on Netflix about minimalism as well. We've got a whole bunch of different articles on our website um, about minimalism, which is a great place to start depending on maybe even some of the conversations that you have with people. So I'll just list out a few and we'll we'll definitely link all of these in the show notes as well. So um, Michael's written a really comprehensive article around minimalist living. So breaking down the what, why and how. Um, we've written a, an article on the negative effects of clutter, which is also backed by science. We've got five amazing benefits of minimalism you need to know about. What is minimalism? An introduction to living with intentionality. 
Uh, we actually did, we've never done a book review and we actually haven't since this was one of the first articles that we wrote on The Minimalist Vegan, which was around the life-changing magic of tidying up by Marie Kondo, which has taken off completely. Mm. Um, and it's a really interesting book if and you want to. there's a Netflix series on it as well. Yeah. You know, a couple of other books like The Minimalist Home by Joshua Becker and he's written other books about minimalism with family and children as well, if if that's sort of the area that would relate to you more. There's another book by Fumio Sasaki called Goodbye Things, which is also quite a popular book. Yep. Um, and then there's also someone, I can't not mention, Leah Babauta, which is the writer behind Zen Habits, which actually started Michael's minimalist journey. Um, and he's a good friend of ours. So he's, and he's still prolifically writing to this day articles um, all the time. And he's got a few different types of courses and workshops that you can participate in. And there's multiple podcasts, including ours, obviously, that you can recommend to other people if they're interested in um, learning more about minimalism, but they're just a few that yeah. uh, that came to mind. And I think, and I think particularly now with what's happening in the world, um, you know, I think people are seeking these karma, simple life experiences. You know, there's this clarity and um, trying to reduce clutter. I think naturally that's what many people want to do. So, mm. um, you know, I think it's a really fun time to share some of these resources and have a conversation around it. And, and in coming from a place of not preaching, but even to inspire yourself, mm. you know, I think by doing this podcast and allowing ourselves to even, you know, do a bit of research to see what else is out there, we inspired ourselves. Even though this is something we've been talking and writing about for many years, it's like, we're just seeing refreshing examples from around the world in different situations and it's very inspiring and it's very reassuring and revalidating um, to continue this journey uh, of intentionality as well. So I think you can get a lot of benefit from sharing these things and putting yourself back into that learning mindset. Yeah, because you want to, you know, a lot of people take pride in the information that they do share. Yes. And so if they hadn't read or listened to it or watched it before, they want to make sure that they're recommending something that's of quality. So yeah. you'll always get some benefit out of it as well. All cool. right. Is there anything else you want to add? No, that's it. I think I think the, you know, again, just to reference the, the show notes, you can find all the links to the resources over at theminimalistvegan.com slash 056. And yeah, again, this, this particular conversation was inspired by one of our listeners sending through a question. Um, so if you'd like to do the same, you can find the, the link to that at theminimalistvegan.com slash podcast, because this is something we probably wouldn't have discussed if we didn't know you were interested in knowing um, yeah. our perspective on it so. so it's just a little orange button on closer to the top of our of the page that says suggest a topic and you just click on that and fill out the form and then that'll get sent through to us and we look at every single one so yeah all right cool well thanks for tuning in Thank you guys and I hope that you got something out of this conversation and if you have any questions, please send through to them or leave it in the comments. Yeah, Link. or if you are somebody who has successfully encouraged minimalism to those close to you um, or have some examples of that without being pushy in a very natural way, yeah, we'd love to hear from your, experiences, uh, your experience so you can reach us on Instagram or via email in the comments of the show notes. Sounds good. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye.